Amen. Today's reading is coming from Matthew chapter 14, verses, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and brought it. Let us go before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, King of all kings, Lord of all lords, we thank you. We thank you for this first day, first Sunday of a bright new year. We thank you for the optimism we have for 2024. We thank you for vision that we have for 2024. We thank you for goals and goal setting for 2024. And we thank you for being here with us right now. Lord, we ask you to bless each and every one here that all minds are clear, a mind to receive what you would have us to understand this morning, a heart to fulfill and um, to consider what's being said this morning, that we may go out this week and live it out. All these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. We started doing this a couple weeks ago, just going back old school and actually reading the word, like just before anybody talks, you know, not like just doing a message. And I love it. Like, I just, I, like, that's what changed my life, right? What changed my life was his book, not, I mean, you people are awesome, but, but what changed was the truth in the book, right? And, and when they got deep down in my heart, I just, thanks, Dwayne. I really appreciate it. Um, if you weren't here last week, let me just kind of catch you up and keep you in the theme. We're spending a couple weeks kicking off the new year, and just for us personally, maybe as a church, and we've been talking about, like, imagining a place, right? And so last week, we imagined a place where something new could happen, right? It's like if you're maybe dealing with bitterness, and you're a hard road, and this and that, that you could, um, could just find forgiveness, but even more so, learn to forgive, just to let it go so that you could move on, right? Because bitterness kills the holder, right? Never kills the other person, right? So just deal with our stuff. And we talked about a place where change could happen if you had like those rocks and stones in your life, right? The things that you think uh, maybe I should get rid of. And the goal there was just to really find freedom, to find freedom through faith. And we talked about a change, maybe something new that could happen where um, we could grab onto the principles just that are in the book, like everything from how to you know, deal with marriage to deal with your friends to deal with finances and, and really just leverage all of those things and just really just become super faithful to just go like, you know, for thousands of years, this worked for people. And so I'm going to stop trying to invent my own way. I'm just going to apply these things. And all of that brings this change of fruitfulness into our lives. And so I don't, if you didn't, um, if you didn't uh, get a chance, it's probably online somewhere and it's not out of any self-aggrandizing for our church, but you should probably go listen to, to it because, um, it's a lesson we actually learned from another teacher, and it's just super, super incredible. But we just imagined a place where when people walk through the door, 
right? All of us, but everybody else who walks through the door, they just found a place of forgiveness and freedom and faithfulness, people doing, like, living the life and fruitfulness. Like, they would just encounter people who'd been so changed. And, of course, I know a bunch of you already are there. Like, I get it. Um, we've spent a lot of time the last couple of years in these discipleship groups leaning in on trying to figure out actually, you know, how to do this life, right? And, it, and it's super, super cool. Today, what we were going to... I just want to talk for a bit about the idea um, of imagining a place that recognizes worth. Just imagining a place that recognizes uh, worth. So if you don't know me, um, I'm Doug, and I am a decision scientist at heart. I mean, I'm a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ. When it comes to the way, like, my brain is built, it's a decision scientist. If you don't know what that is, it just means I ask lots of questions. And, and spent my life solving problems for everybody else. And then got, became a person of faith and actually started trying to do that to help other people, myself included. Um, and at the same time, I'm also a, a disciple maker. Like, I've, I've become sold on the idea that um, there's tremendous value in each and every one of us. And, and at one point, I, I don't think people saw the value in me. And I know I didn't see the value in me. But I, but I found this God who for thousands of years had been saying there's value in every human being. And he brought me into a community of people of faith. And I began to not only see the value in me, but I began to see the value in other people. And, and sometimes it's hidden value. Sometimes everybody's not there yet, right? And I wasn't there yet. But I began to just see that. But if you've known me, you know that like when it comes to the idea of making decisions or figuring things out, you, you've probably heard me say some abstraction to this because I say it just ridiculously. The best decisions are made on value, not emotions. Like, without a doubt, the best decisions are made on value and not emotions, okay? Um, but even when I decide to, like, you know, put value into the equation, whether it's buying a car or whatever else, and I start, instead of just what I want, you know, oh, that's cool. I like that. I love that I hate my car. Like, I'm, I'm learning to like my car. It's a growing relationship. It was like an arranged marriage. Like, it's not the girl I would have picked, but it's the girl I could afford. <laughs> like, I really miss the old car. You know what I mean? But, but the decision was made totally on value. What I could afford, what would last, what had the best record. It had nothing to do with anything spontaneous. I didn't even want to buy the car. I just had to because the other car blew up. Do you get it? So I love that that's a value decision. But even like when we are making decisions based on value, there's this inherent problem. Because we're very quick to assign value to all kinds of things, right? But the inherent problem is this. But the value we assign to those things isn't always accurate. Right? Just think about it. Like, we're constantly assigning value, determining what something is worth. From, like, the moment we're born, from the very moment we're born, what have we, what have we been doing? We've been deciding, like, is it worth the, you know the word? Is it worth the risk? Like, is it worth the risk? Like, my friends are saying do this, but my dad has a big belt. Is it worth the risk? Right? We've been doing this since we were just little itty-bitty or, or in work. Or, or in a relationship, is it worth the effort? So we're constantly determining value, whether you realize it or not, you are determining value. You may make decisions based on emotions, but even then, 
you're still always trying to figure out what's the value. You know, is it worth it? Is it worth it to obey? Is it worth it to dive into my faith? Is it worth it in this relationship? Whatever. But if you're, if you're like me, you can probably really quickly come up with two or maybe 12, <laughs> right? Places where you assigned the wrong value. The wrong value in a decision or in a situation, right? In other words, you got the worth wrong. Like, just think about it. Like, you valued getting there on time more than paying the price of the ticket. And this is my, my story right now. I'm just telling you, you should not go super fast, especially through Tunnel Hill, Georgia. I mean, I just learned the, the greatest lesson. It was a $165 local ticket. I was like, that's awesome, not bad. Then the state of Georgia sent me a $300 super speeder fine. So I was like, well, okay, this is still pretty tolerable. I was an idiot. But then my insurance went up. Amber and I have totaled up that bill. Some of you have heard the story. By the time we get done, it's going to be a $4,700 fine. By the time we get done paying all the insurance increases over the years and everything else. Was it really worth it to get there early to see my buddies at the retreat? And the answer is no. They are not worth $4,700. Or, or how, about, how about you decided to die on a hill that wasn't worth dying on? Anybody been there in a business deal, in a relationship, in an argument, and you just dig in? This week, it's really funny, this week North Cobb Christian, one of their leaders came over and he was talking to Jamie, which is great because I'm not identified as the person to talk to anymore, and I love that. So he went to talk to Jamie about renting out and leasing some space for the school here. And the way he prefaced his comment was, I know that we partnered before, and it ended miserably. But it's a new age. It's a new day. We were just wondering if you would consider. And it did end miserably. You want to know why? It ended miserably because they had a woman who was the administrator, and she was just a bulldog kind of administrator, Right? Like it was her way or the highway. Well, Doug was much younger then, and he was not nearly as refined. And, and Doug thought he knew what was best. And so she dug in her heels, and I dug in my heels, and it ended up costing $50,000. It ended poorly for all of us. You get it? I died on a hill. It just wasn't worth it. You know what it was about, just for kicks? Who was going to do the janitorial work for the building? God, anybody have these things? Yeah, how about, how about this one? When you decided to keep investing in a relationship that just wasn't worth it, right? I don't know if guys deal with this as much. I know young, younger ladies do. And they see the guy and they fall in love with the guy and their friends are all like, yeah, the guy's not worth it. The guy, gee, what are you doing? The guy's not worth it. They just keep investing, investing, investing until they end up with just a shattered, broken heart. Or how about when you bought something that wasn't worth it? I'm returning a few things that I purchased over the holidays because I've just determined they weren't worth it. Not your gifts. There's just things I bought. Do you ever do that? Like the in-cap purchases or the car? Like, is it really worth it? Anyway, the point here is that we are really equipped to assign value. We do it almost on autopilot, but a lot of times what we do is we assign the wrong value to the item the situation so these two parables are all about value and they're all about assigning value and they're all about getting the value right and it's really cool because what they show to us is the value that god places on the kingdom of heaven so you know that's a fancy christian term for his 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 kingdom 
We're just saying, all hail King Jesus, all hail. They used to say Emmanuel. I don't know where that went. All hail the Lord of Lords, right? So, so we don't live in that, you know, fiefdom kind of thing. But when you sing all hail King Jesus, the, the reason they wrote that the old hymn, the reason they wrote it is because Jesus was the king. So if he's the king, he's in charge of the kingdom. We live in the kingdom. We, by living in the kingdom and choosing to live there, because we get to choose to live there, we choose to live by the rules of the kingdom. He makes a commitment to us to take care of us, provide for us, watch over us. This is his kingdom. And so we, it's, the Bible is really funny, right? So like the first eight pages of the Bible are about us living totally at peace with God. The next 1,800 pages are about him trying to get us to come home because we went and did it our own way. It's just incredible if you look at it that way because it's just, it's just it's miraculous that he just kept waiting and he just kept trying to get us to come back. But the commitment he's always made is, if you choose to live in the kingdom, I will provide for you. And I'll promise you, you find somebody who really believes in God and follows God, they always have what they need. They may not be rich, but they always have what they need. And the biggest things that they have are the things that really only God can give. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He says those are the fruits of a relationship with him. And whenever I'm missing those things, what I realize is I'm probably not really walking with God. I'm now back in old Doug, digging my heels in, probably getting ready to make a mistake. Let's read them. The first one is about this guy who's just wandering, somehow he ends up in a field, and I don't know what, is he kicking dirt, whatever, and, and he finds a treasure, and this is what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, and which a man found, and when he found it, he covered it back up. Like, so he covered it back up, and then what did he do? He made a great economic decision. He ran, sold everything he had, and bought the field. So, so what is, what is, what's in there economically? The price of the field was less than the value of the treasure. And he was willing to give up everything he had to get the treasure because the treasure was more valuable. Okay. The second one, a little different. This, this guy, is a, he's a, a, a pearl merchant, and he's going out to buy pearls, but he's looking for the best deal, the best pearl, right? And it goes this way. And the kingdom of heaven is... Like a merchant in search of what? Fine pearls. So he's just trying to buy pearls, and he's looking for fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, see it? He got the value of the pearl. Went out and sold everything he had so he could what? Buy it. So he knew, because of who he was, that the value of this great pearl was far beyond the price it was being asked. And he was willing to leverage everything he had, sell everything he had to buy that one single pearl. So the parables are about this idea, right, of, of you getting the value. But the thing that it's talking about is the value of the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom? I already told you. The kingdom of God is, 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 is everything that God wants to do. It's the realm. But, but it's not really a physical place, right? I mean, it will be one day in heaven, but right now it's not. The kingdom, he came, Jesus did, and established it. He said, I, I've come, and I'm going to establish the kingdom. It, it means he's going to rule. And the message is this. If you want to be part of the kingdom, I got you. And that's a lot of times where church is in that message. is I got you. You're forgiven. I got you. You can get in heaven. I got you. Come home. 
But it goes far beyond that. It's I got you, I'll provide for you. I got you, I'll make you better. I've got you, I'll make you smart. I've got you, I'll give you peace. I've got you, I'll help you learn patience. I've got you. You can live an incredibly fruitful, abundant life. Here's, here's the cool part. When Jesus says this, he says in these two parables, right? What? And this is the kingdom of God. And, and this is the kingdom of God. It's a very complex sounding thing. And that's what parables are all about. When Jesus taught in parables, what he was doing is taking something that was very common to us to help us un understand something that was very uncommon. Something that was very natural to us to help us understand something that was spiritual and beyond us. So whenever you see a parable, that's, that's where you're at. Whenever you see a parable, you're right in the middle of him trying to make something very, very, very simple for you and I. And something else cool about parables is this. Almost every parable has a place for you in it, right? So it, when, you, when you read a parable or you hear a parable, one of the things you got to do is figure out, like, where am I in that parable? Like, who, who am I in that parable? If he's saying this to me, if he, if he walked in the room and he was like, hey, Greg, the kingdom of God is like, so is, is, is Greg the pearl? Is he the treasure? Is he the man? Is he the field? Like, who's Greg? And one of the beauties about parables is that you get this opportunity to get this really complex thought in a simple way, but then figure out how it applies to you. So here's the kingdom. Everything God owns, wants to own. He's going to provide. He's going to protect. Yes, if we choose to be citizens, the idea is that we see the value in him. The value in him. And we do what? When we see the value, then we say, okay, well, I'm going I'm to go by your rules. And you say, oh, rules, that sounds so negative, but they're not. They're rules for freedom. They're rules and, and guidance and wisdom that sets us free to have this incredible, incredible life. Okay, so this is, in, in this parable, in these two parables, which are almost identical, like twins. The only difference is one, one guy stumbles across the treasure, covers it up, buys the field. The other one's hunting for the treasure. It's the only difference between them, right? But in both of them, they're the same. And in both of them, you can find yourself in one of three roles. You ready? See if you can figure out who you are. Role number one is this. Role number one is Jesus is the man and you are the treasure. That's role number one. So see if this one fits you. Jesus is the man and you are the treasure. John explained it this way. You've heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whoever, anybody who believes in him, what? Will never perish, but have eternal life. Let me show it to you this way. So God so loved, valued you, that he gave his only son, paid the price. He saw that you and the treasure in you and the worth in you and the value in you was far greater than the value of his own life. If I was telling this parable today, I would tell the parable of the first responder. And I would say there was a first responder who when on 9-11 and the buildings got hit by planes, ran up 22 flights of stairs and gave his life to save 100 people. Because the value of the 100 
was greater to him than the value of his life. We call those people what? They paid the ultimate price. We say it in the military when they die for our freedom. We say it for the police officer who gives his life to protect us. They pay the ultimate price. They made the ultimate sacrifice. They're following in good footsteps. This is how much God and Jesus value the kingdom, us. He loved, he valued, he paid the price, and he paid that ultimate price. Another great teacher from the Bible, Paul, explained it this way. Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, a servant, and was born as a human being. We just celebrated this, right, at Christmas. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and then died a criminal's death on the cross. This is the history that goes with the word picture of him giving his life because your life, your happiness, your abundance, your forgiveness, your fruitfulness was of greater value. It was cheaper for him to buy the field to get the treasure. So he bought the field. What's odd to me here is it seems so opposite. Does, does anybody kind of feel cruddy sometimes? Like not worthy? Okay, some people do. I'm good. There's this verse in Romans, it's a book in the Bible that says this about Jesus. Um, when we are utterly helpless, Jesus Christ came just at the right time and died for us. Now, most people, listen, it's great. It's, it's almost like another parable. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners, while we, we weren't living worthy. He saw the future value of us. He knew who we could be. That's an incredible thought. So if role one is the role you're playing in this parable, then you need to hear this. He values you. So much that he gave up living in heaven, so much that he lived on this earth. Yeah, it's a pain down here, right? So much that he gave his life because he values you. Roll one. Jesus is the man. You're the treasure. Isn't that cool? He treasures you? Me? I like that. All right. Roll two. You ready? Here's roll two. See if this one fits you. If you didn't fit one, maybe this is you. Roll two. You are the man and others are the treasure. You're the man and other people are the treasure. This is where I'm trying to live my life right now. I, I, I think this might be my role in this parable. Ready? Because once we know Christ, once we've been loved, all of a sudden I can do what? Once I truly know complete love, like even better than Amber's in my relationship, even better than my friends, when I know complete, unconditional love that gave its life even when I wasn't worthy, that sees my future value, that's developed a kingdom that is for my success and principles, 
the moment that I've been loved that way, I can extend that love. I can give that to Candace. I can give it to Harriet. Because I now know how to do it. I know what it feels like. And it's so awesome. Why wouldn't I? And, and there are people who are hard to love. This, this week was the big you know, annual meeting for the HOA. I just want to tell you, there's some people who are hard to love. And I just kept my, my cohort, my partner in crime is here today, and my friend, Cheryl. And we just kept saying to each other all week, there's good in them. There's good in them. Because there is. This is just a thing. It's not who they are. It's just a moment. It's a, you get it? Because I've been loved. I know how to love. I also know what it likes, looks like when people haven't encountered true love. How do you get mad at somebody when they've never had the chance yet? When you're forgiven, you learn the ability to forgive. How can I not forgive Greg if he does something terrible? When I've been forgiven of an endless list of very embarrassing stuff that I'm glad's not on video. Yeah? <laughs> how, how, how easy is it to say, dude, I'm off the hook. God's going to let you off the hook. I'm just going to get on with God. I'm going to let you off the hook. That doesn't mean I'm saying what you did was right. It's saying, you owe me nothing. I'm, I want to move on. If you want to know more about forgiveness, listen to last week. I'm telling you, it'll just, his word is so good. The point here is this. If, if role number two is for you because you've encountered God and you're now the man and other people are the treasure, you get to be like Jesus, which is this, this incredible opportunity to look out at the clerk, to look out at the people here, to look out at your family, to look out at the people at work and say, there's a field and there's treasure and I'm going to find it. I'm going to kick over those rocks. I'm going to search for those pearls. I'm going to find that treasure. Why? Because it's valuable. Because it's valuable. Do you remember the passage we just read? Um, they could put it up for us. Jesus gave up his what? Divine privileges. He's the God of the universe. He did not have to come down here. He's up there. It's a perfect place of peace and love, no temptation, no anger, no mean people to nail you on a cross. But he gave that up. He said, I will step down off the throne, I will go out into the kingdom, and I will work the fields with you people to show you the value of the kingdom. And when our lives were at risk, he stood in front of the bus and gave his life for us. But did you notice this? I love this. Why did he do it? He humbled himself, what? In obedience to God, and then he was willing to die a criminal's death. He was totally slandered. Even some of his own people were like, no, we don't know him. He was ridiculed. He was persecuted. And I don't think that bothered him. I mean, he's the king of the universe. He handled it. But the point is, is that he was willing to go through all of that. And it makes me ask questions about myself. Like, he just obeyed God. He, he knew the value of the kingdom. He knew the value of the people. And so he was willing to sell it all to buy the field, to buy the pearl. And, and that's the people. And set up his kingdom. 
Jesus once said this about his life. He was talking about his life and what he did. And this is what he said. I tell you the truth, people. The son, him, can do nothing by himself. What? This is Jesus, all-powerful King Jesus, and he can do nothing by himself. What he was saying is this. I'm in an earthly body just like you right now. I have limits of time and space and everything else. And while I'm on this planet, I am what? Remember the verse before? Obeying my Father's will. I'm trying to win a kingdom. I'm trying to reach people. And so what he say? I only do what I see my Father doing. And whatever he does, I do. And then he said this about us. Listen, if you're in this role, this is good stuff for you. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, just as Jesus talking, will do the same works I've done. That means I inherit my mission from his. And his is to do what? Only what he sees the Father doing. And the Father's trying to do what? Set up a kingdom. He's not trying to buy a boat. I'm not, boats are fine. Look, listen, you earn money. God created money. He gives you the ability to earn money. You earn money. Give gifts and be gracious back to him. I don't need your money. Nobody here needs your money, but you need to give it back. You need to do that. That is a thankful gift. You are silly if you don't. Like, I'm just telling you, you should. The rest of it, you want to buy a boat, buy a boat. But here's the question. What's of greater value, the boat or the treasure? Do you get it? Like, like all of a sudden, it's not just about money. It's about our calendars. It's about our time. It's about our patience. How much patience will you give? Jesus said what? They were like, how many times do I have to forgive these people? They keep being mean to me. And he said what? 70 times 7. In other words, way more than you're willing to do. What's the value of the treasure compared to what it is that you're trying to, to seek? Why, why can't we make time for him? If you're in this role, these are just great questions that you have to ask. But, but think about this. Can you imagine a place where we become like him? Where everything we have is available, and I mean our calendar, our time, our patience, everything, we leverage everything to buy the pearl. Because we see the pearl, and we see the value of the pearl. And I don't know if you know it, but that's where our name comes from. Uh, three Taverns Church, some people are like, oh, you got beer taps? And I'm like, we should, we, some of our younger folks want to put a, a nitro coffee tap in the foyer just to mess with people when they come in. So, but, 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 the, but it wasn't founded because it was a bar. It was founded because a bunch of us were sitting in a class one day, and we were just reading the book of Acts, and this old guy was teaching us about it, and he was really so boring. But we had to read it, and we were reading it, and we got to this part in Acts 28, 15, where this guy named Paul had just been totally kicked by the world, mistreated by the world. His family abandoned him when, when he became a Christian, when he believed in Jesus and God. And then, and then later on, the Christians were like, oh, you're awesome. And then he started being causing a ruckus because he just wanted everybody to hear about God. So he would tell people, and it would get awkward, and then they left him. And, and then he got arrested, and the rest of the people left him. And so Paul ends up just pretty much all alone. He had like one or two friends, and he's on the ship, and he's headed off to go to jail and a trial in Rome. And it's shipwrecked and bit by his... I mean, it was just, you could, it's bad. So he finally lands. And the soldiers are sick of the trip too. And they stop at a place, literally a place called the Three Taverns. It's on the Appian Highway on the way to Rome. You can still go see where this is at. 
okay? Cicero wrote there, I mean, it's a real place. It's three taverns. Taverns meaning like places you get bed, breakfast, and beer. And so he's there with the soldiers, and he's all alone. Some believers, people who love God, are in Rome, 30 miles away. And they hear uh, Paul's landed, and they're like, we got to go and help him and encourage him. Finally, somebody. They walk 30 miles to meet him where he's at. And Acts 28, 15 says this. As they came over the hill, his heart was encouraged. He knew he wasn't alone. He had his community back. He had his people. He wasn't truly abandoned. And then that what we all want? Can you imagine a place where every one of us would walk 30 miles to help somebody smile? Rule number three. Rule number three. You're the man, and Jesus is the treasure. You're the man, and Jesus is the treasure. Now, you remember the two parables. One was just stumbling along and found treasure. The other was hunting treasure. And this is where it's, it's a very interesting distinction. Because you may not know the value of the kingdom of God. You may not even know what you're missing. Or you might be a person who realizes there's got to be something more. Or maybe you found somebody. Like I have all, all the, the people who are here, you're all in. Like I've watched your lives change so much. You're such an encouragement to me. I want to be like you when I grow up. Right? So I'm like the pearl merchant. I'm searching, right, for that answer. But you may have just stumbled in here today. And maybe you didn't even know there was treasure. But in role number three, you're the man and Jesus is the treasure. Where all of a sudden we see something that's of such great value. We're like, God, God I got to get that. I'll give anything. Okay, number one, <laughs> you don't need to get your credit card out. Okay, debit card's not accepted. Because you can't buy God, and you can't buy freedom, and you can't buy forgiveness. But you can sell him your feelings. You, you, can, you can give him your life. Do you get it? And the e economy of all this. You can say the value of what I have is not as great as the value of what the treasure is. And I want the treasure. Can you imagine a place, in, just for you personally, to be in a place where you realize that your worth is seen by the creator of the universe. Where when you look in the mirror and you're like, ah, me. He whispers in your ear, I kind of like you. Where when you think about those things where you assessed value poorly, he's like, get up, move on, not the end of the world. Can you imagine a place where you find a treasure that is more valuable than your current plans. And you're willing to ditch your plans to have an incredibly peaceful, graceful, wonderful life. With a God who listens, who understands, who respects you, and who loves you. Who provides you community, reconciliation, and love. Three roles. Three different roles. In all the cases, God's investing. In all the cases, God is 
is working. But which one are you? Are you the treasure? Jesus the man? You're the treasure? Or, or have you already been loved and been forgiven and been given and have everything from calendars to checkbooks to wallets to forgiveness to love to just a, a friendship that you could offer to somebody and now you're moving into role two where you're the man and everybody else, all these people who really need love. Trust me, if you don't believe it, we will give you a job on our HOA board. I, there's a lot of great people, but there's a lot of people who have not found peace. You see it at work. You see it at school. Is that the role? You're the man, they're the treasure? Or there is a possibility that some of you are sitting here and you've never actually thought about how valuable the kingdom of God is, how valuable Jesus is as a treasure. So you're the man and he's the treasure. And I guess that's kind of where I want to end. Because if, if you're the man and he's the treasure, I, that's a great message where he says it, like Jesus saves and Jesus loves you and all that. But I'm, I'm really big into practicality, like what do you do? And here's what you do. There's just one simple verse in the Bible, and I love it. It's so simple. It says this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. What does that mean? It means if you go, God, help. You're recognizing the existence of God and you're asking for help. That is belief. If you believe, you will be saved. Not just some wishy-washy stuff, but like if you really, really want the treasure and you need help, whether you stumbled on it today or you've been searching, he is the God who provides reconciliation, love, forgiveness, grace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't have to live a less than life. Not in 2024, not in 2025. So I wonder just like, what role? What role? And I guess I'll end with this. Can you imagine a place? Can you imagine Three Taverns being a place that values God so much that we're proud of him? That values his kingdom so much that we're willing to do whatever it takes to put a smile on somebody's face, joy and forgiveness and freedom in their heart. That we're willing to take the hit, be uncomfortable. A friend of mine, Nick, said to me a couple days ago, um, you know, Doug, I, it's great that you talk about how it kills you that there's so many people in the community who just either don't know God or checked out. And he said, I know I'm younger than you. <laughs> you know it's coming when somebody says that. He said, I know I'm younger than you, but what are you doing about it? I mean, I hear you talking about it, but what are you doing about it? Man, that cut me to the quick. Individually, I do. I, I, I try to extend grace and peace, and I try to help people and see where they're at and the value. But what am I really doing about it? What am I, when did I actually go out intentionally and do something? And, and, you know, we talk about those excuses like our insecurities, you know, we need to get over. We talk about those things like I'm an introvert. I'm, see, all that's the stuff that really is just, that's the stuff that you need to be willing to surrender just like Jesus surrendered and came down here for us. Like we just need to get over our insecurities and just put them aside. That's tough, but I want you to know you're not alone. It doesn't come natural to me. 
And quite frankly, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make people angry or feel pushy or anything else and blah, 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 blah. So I have all these things I say. Nick's words just pounded me. And so I took a risk at the end of uh, my homeowner's meeting the other day and just said, you know, if you guys play pickleball, whatever you do, if somebody have any hobbies, people can join in. And then I just said, and I hadn't told Amber about this either. I was like, um, so I don't know if you know what I do, but I'm a, a decision scientist and a disciple maker, and God's shown me a way to get this incredible life. And I haven't been able to lead a group lately, and I miss it. And I haven't been able to be a part of a group, and I miss it. So if any of you guys um, are just people of faith or you, you want a better life, I can guarantee at the end of the year you'll get it, and you're just invited. And I mean, I was like, I should have had a diaper on. Because I, I, I just want to, you know, how do you take that risk, and who's going to get mad and everything else? And I just decided to throw caution to the wind and actually do something instead of just saying, God, I need you to send us an evangelist. God, I need you to, you know, do this or that. Or, God, I need you to, you know, oh, I'm so brokenhearted for the people. Okay, everyone do something. You live with 23 people. Go do something. Like, and if they don't like it, then that's fine. If they make fun of you, fine. But you know that what's changed in you, they can have, because you go around the whole world and do this. Idiot. <laughs> so don't think that you're alone. Instead, let's just imagine a place. Let's just imagine a place where worth is recognized. When they walk through the door, their worth is recognized. This is my big thing with Dwayne and the, uh, the special needs ministry. I can't wait to the day that parents can bring their kids who are differently abled, who special needs, whatever word you want to use for it, in, and people greet them without, and they just look right past their disability and see the worth and the value. That's noble. It is just as noble to look at the person who's invested in the bad relationship who's been beat down by life, who's, and see the value. Can you imagine this place being that place? I can. I think it already is headed that way. But why not dream in 2024? Why not reach more people in 2024 by imagining what God can do if we'll just go along? Father, thanks everything you've given me. Helping me climb over the <clears throat> insecurities I have to even stand up here and talk about stuff like this. I know it's true. I, I just, I can. Father, I pray that if we're not seeing the worth and if we're not sacrificing for the worth in others, you will help us get there. If somebody here is just at that place where you're the treasure and they're the man, that they'll find you and that they know that there's people here who can help with that. And I'm so thankful that you valued your kingdom and me and everybody in this room enough to come as baby Jesus, be born in flesh, and then eventually die. <laughs> Make the ultimate sacrifice for us. Bless you. Amen. Hey, so we have a couple announcements that, uh, that need to be made. Jamie's going to make one. Greg's going to make one. While Greg's making his way up here, let me just tell you mine. For the next three, four Wednesdays, for the next four Wednesdays, um, we're going to be doing some work sessions. And you're like, what? Yeah, so we, a lot of you come here. There's stuff for kids, the teens. It's all rocks. They have a blast. The adults, um, we're going to be um, doing some work sessions. So there will be tables out. 
they're gonna be covered in brown paper and there's gonna be pens and markers and you're gonna get, you get to figure out, wrestle, get a team and you'll get a team name and then we're gonna be together for four weeks. Um, that's on Wednesday. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here kinda chit-chatting and stuff at 6.30, but a hard, go at, a hard go at seven. If we can start early, we will, but a hard go at seven and we'll end around eight. And those four hours, what we're gonna look at is four key things that are like um, good challenges. We, we don't have bad challenges here. We have so many opportunities here, right? That we can't seem to figure out how to, to take care of them. We have so much opportunity to do reach the world with this SD thing. And we have so much opportunity and we just have so much opportunity. And so the staff and the, the leaders have been trying to figure out how to get all this done. And we hit this roadblock and we just thought, why don't we get everybody in on this? Let's all talk about it. We need your brain. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not like a leader here. Good, we'd rather have you. We had enough leaders. What we need to hear is from all of us, we are the church. We are part of the kingdom. This is our little piece of doing it. And um, there's people out there who can use that message, and there's people in here who need to be encouraged. And so we're going to look at how to hop over some of those hurdles, figure, you know, like, like good operation systems, right? Like just figuring it out. We're, we're going to have fun, too, and there'll be a challenge for you, I guarantee you. But we really would love to hear your voice. And we'd really love to be here because when the people get together, all of our different personality types come up with great solutions. We did this about 10 years ago, and that's right about the time SD and all that started happening. God just worked, and so we're going to do it again. So uh, just this is my personal invitation to you. I'm going to make it a this week, and you'll get an email. And then whoever shows up, really, we're going to take this, and we're going to go to the next place. So I really hope you want to be a part of that. And you may have to change your calendar you can do that because we're going to go find some treasure this year here here and there and we need your help figuring out the practicals of it like how do you handle a nursery that's filling every other one all these other fun things so we're going to do that if you're traveling on the road uh, we're going to set it up so you can zoom in and so everybody you're all invited taking way too much time good so doug asked me to come up this morning is this on Doug asked me to come up this morning and tell you guys about me personally, what I, what discipleship has done for me. Um, and it's amazing when I look back on my journey of the discipleship, uh, how much it's changed my life. Not only knowing God better, but knowing myself better, to be a better father, to be a better leader at work, to be a better employee overall, just to be a better person. Um, but even as I look around this room and I see some of the folks that I've gone on the journey with and the discipleship, how, it, how it's built relationships, and I'm a big introvert and I don't like relationships. So to see some of the people in here and just know that they are a part of my life now and help me on that, continue on that journey. So I just want to share with you that the, and I, and I say journey, and I hope, because I, I know I've said in the past that the discipleship process and program, but it really isn't. And it's hard to explain because it is literally a, a journey where you're just learning to follow Jesus. It, it is to be a disciple. And how amazing, it's not a big program. And I've done, trust me, I've done some programs. I went to Catholic school, and I, I've done all kinds of programs to make me a better, smarter person. But this journey, this discipleship journey that, uh, that SD has developed, it's just, it's amazing because it's not about me, but it's about being a better follower of Jesus. And how cool is that is to just say, I'm going to walk that journey. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's that simple. So 
I invite you to come to our, uh, there's going to be a discipleship meeting that's going to explain a little bit more about it. I encourage you to come. Jamie's going to come up and she's going to give you the dates and everything. But uh, if any of you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out to me. But I just want to tell you, it's changed my life for the better. And it's still changing my life today. And I still want that change. Uh, so 